0: Hello and welcome to It's The Fix, a podcast focused on helping you return balance to your mental and physical fitness by giving up those short-term fixes that we all chase and finding a long-term fix that sticks. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Apple, please give us a five-star review if you're so kind, and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere else you're listening to the show, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Tompkins, and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about leadership, coaching, and how to guide people and yourself to be better. Our guest today is known as the podcast talent coach. Uh, he's also an award-winning hockey coach. He's an award-winning manager, on interpersonality. personality, who's worked in radio broadcasting for over 30 years, coaching generations of on-air talent, including myself. Full disclosure, he is also my coach. I can still call you my coach, right? Absolutely. Okay. He's like, I'll take anybody I can get. Sure. <laughs> uh, he is currently the senior vice president of programming for iHeartMedia. You can listen to his podcast, Podcast Talent Coach, at podcasttalentcoach.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Eric Johnson, what's going on, Eric? How are you doing today? Matt, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation today. We've had so many good conversations off the air, I guess you could say, you know, behind the scenes, just in normal life. So I'm excited too because I I mean, Eric, I, so I worked for Eric for he was my program director for what, 5 years, 4 or 5 years I think there And when, yeah,
1: we worked together for a long time before I was actually your manager. So I, I, I don't know how long I actually coached you. I
0: think it was four years because it was when uh, my brother Ben and I were on doing the Matt and Ben show here locally on 93.3 and it was, but it was the first time that I got coaching. It was the first time that Ben and I both got coaching and it was so constructive And I learned early on, and I'm glad that I did, just the importance of having a good manager, having a good boss. And Eric, you and I'll give him a plug, uh, happily give him a plug. Dave Tepper is the other program director. You two are the two best managers that I've worked for in my 17-year radio career. So first thing I want to talk about here, why are there so many managers who aren't good leaders or coaches uh, in so many fields, not just broadcasting, this is across the board. You know, there, it's notorious that cliche: "Oh, my boss is terrible." I, he's, you know, and and there are a lot of bad bosses out there. So, what are the basic principles that you follow to make to be a good manager or boss?
1: Well, the the cliche is: you can either be a manager or you can be a leader, and uh, there's a big difference between the two. Managers just manage, and leaders lead. Now, obviously, it's uh, it's just part of the definition. But I think managers are so used to fixing problems that when they go to be a leader, they approach it from the standpoint of fixing a problem. And so they want to fix all of the bad stuff. And if you're just fixing the bad stuff, uh, you're a manager and you're not a leader. Uh, a leader goes in and finds the good stuff and leads his team toward the good stuff. And uh, it took me a long time as a, as a leader to develop that, that habit of finding the things that are good and let's figure out ways to get you to do more of that. Because if we can do more of the good, the bad stuff just naturally goes away. And the brain just works at a different level. And I, I try and do this when I'm coaching hockey I try and do this when I'm coaching podcasters. I try and do this when I'm coaching on-air talent. It's let's figure out what you're doing right and figure out ways to get you to do more of that. If I say, don't look at that red spot, you're going to look at the red spot because your brain doesn't delineate between do and don't. It just says red spot. Let's look at it. So, Rather than saying, don't look at the red spot, if I say, hey, look at the green spot, then you look at the green spot. And by looking at the green spot, you don't look at the red spot. So it gets me the desired result, but I'm focused on the positive and not the negative. So focus on the good things you're doing and not the bad. That's something that
0: uh, we've talked a lot about individually for just for yourself. Uh, You know, it's because it's so easy for us to focus on the negative thing that happened, that one thing out of a hundred. And not the 99 things that were good. I know going through my addiction. We talked about this. Uh, I talked about this with my therapist. I've shared this on the podcast that I was beating myself up over relapses. And then she said, well, over a year period, you know, how many days were you actually high and relapsed? Like uh, 13 or 14. So you're focusing on 14 out of 365 days. You had 350 days plus that you were clean and sober. That's progress because the year before it was much worse. So we have that has that that natural need or I guess that natural urge to just look
1: at the negative, and that works individually as well as in leadership roles. Absolutely, it's like it, it's like anything in life. If you're in, if you play golf and you're up on the tee and you're like, "Don't slice, don't slice, don't slice," and all of a sudden you hit the ball and you slice, you're like, "Oh, I knew I was going to do that." Well, of course you knew you were going to do that because all your brain is hearing is "slice, slice, 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 slice." Yeah. If you want to avoid slicing the ball into the rough. If you step up there and go, okay, middle of the fairway, middle of the fairway, middle of the fairway, guess what? You hit it in the middle of the fairway because your brain doesn't think that way. If you're driving down the street and here comes a pothole, you see the pothole, you hit it every day, and you're thinking, okay, today, don't hit the pothole, don't hit the pothole, don't hit the pothole. You're gonna hit the pothole because that's all you're thinking about is the pothole. Rather than thinking about, okay, if I just swerve a little to the right, I miss the pothole swerve to the right, swerve to the right, then that's what you do. You have to get your brain focused on what you want and stop focusing on what you don't want. And it's the same thing in leadership. When you're trying to lead people, get them to focus on what you want rather than what you don't want. And we, we talked
0: about this, and I was trying to find it in my notes here. I'm going to totally get it wrong because I can't remember the exact title, but it's something activator in your brain. They've actually studied biologically. So for example, if you buy a, a brand new red VW Beetle, all of a sudden, all you see are red VW Beetles out there. And that's because your brain is finding what you're focusing on, which is, I think, a key to to being happy just in life and especially at your workplace. Because if you're focusing on, OK, today is going to be a great day today. I, and I've had to do this with bad managers where I say, OK, I wake literally wake up in the morning and I do deep breathing and focus on, OK, today I am not going to let this manager or this person get to me. Uh, they are not in control and how I react emotionally. And just tell myself these things over and over again. And those were be- that's when I started to have better days because I could deal with myself and how I react. Um, so we've talked a lot about how to deal with a bad relationship. Often that's relationships at work, as I mentioned. You know, We spend most of our days with colleagues. And I mean, you're talking eight to ten hour days with these people so that can get difficult when you you know hate your manager or your manager is just a a dick he's just a jerk you know (laughs) which unfortunately there that's something you have to we have to learn to deal with it's hard to deal with though so what advice do you have for people uh what do you have for people who have to deal with these bad managers how do they manage these bad relationships at work do do they mend them if they're unmendable what 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 do they do
1: well let's start at the thirty thousand foot uh, level. It, it's a lot easier said than done, but life is too short to work in a job that you hate. You know, a yeah. lot of people think that uh, going and finding a new job, especially in this economy, it doesn't matter what year it is. If it's 2008, 2012, 2016, 2020, this economy, finding a job in this economy, there are always great businesses hiring. And if you're in a, a job that you hate, find something else to do. And now you may not be able to take one step and go from the current job to a new job and and be in a job that you love. It might take you, you know, eating piles of crap for a little bit until you can get where you want to go. When I got into radio, I was in architecture. I was going from architecture to radio and I had to do overnights back in the day for probably three years before I moved up to nights and moved up to middays and eventually got a program director position and worked my way up. And I had to work three jobs to make it happen. So it wasn't an overnight thing, but I wasn't doing something I hated any longer. I, I slowly moved to what I love to do. So if you're in a job that you hate, uh, not just because of the people there, but because it's the job, find something new to do. Find something around your passion. And just be creative in looking for that. Now, if it's the people there that you hate uh, that just um, it's just making your life miserable, you don't look forward to going to work every day. That's tough. Then you can find a new job in the same industry. Yeah. Right. Find something similar.
0: That happens a lot, too. And I'm sorry to interrupt. But yeah, that happens a lot, too, where you have a job that you love, but you have people you work with that you hate. Or a person, and it's right. So it's so frustrating to me. It's and it's really sad that it can take just one person in a management position who can can ruin it for so many people. You know, who can make people's lives Absolutely. miserable. And and so it, it. I've dealt with that the wrong way, and I've dealt with that the right way. And the right way is like you're saying. It's t- it's taking control of how you react to that person, and and not you know. Granted, when I was dealing with some of my worst managers, I was going through my addiction, which didn't help at all, you know, because that just fueled my my addiction. But at the same time, I think learning how to react to those bad managers
1: is really the only way to deal with it. If you love your job that much and you want to stay right. Right. So you can you can find another job in the same industry doing the same thing for a different manager in a different company. That's one one place. What I tell my kids all the time is control what you can control. There are just some things that you can't control. It's outside of your uh, sphere of influence. And if your manager is one of them, first, I would have a conversation with your manager or have a conversation with your manager's manager to figure out how to handle that relationship. How can you improve it? Here's what I need to do my job better. I need. I need positive reinforcement. I need you to help me figure out what I'm doing well. I need you occasionally to tell me the things I'm doing right. Because if you're a manager and you're only telling your employees what they're doing wrong, you make them scared to try to do anything. And then you're like, man, I can't get these guys to do anything. I can't light a fire under their butt to get them to actually take action. Well, it's like, yeah, every time they take action, you crack them in the head with a two by four. Like, Of course they're not going to take action because every time they do, they take a misstep, you hammer them, so they're not going to try any longer. You know, it's like a, a uh, an athlete that berate him. All he's going to be thinking about is, "Don't strike out, don't strike out." You need to encourage him for trying some things if you want him to improve and get better and and take a new uh, a new path. So if you have the conversation with your manager and that doesn't work, then you're going to need to find someplace else. But the thing you need to realize is everybody communicates in a different way. And, you you know, there are different personalities. You can't communicate um, with your engineer the same way you communicate with the morning guy on the radio station mm-hmm. because they're just two totally different personalities. You know, a lot of people, the, 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 the one thing I'm most proud of is that people give me credit for being able to have relationships with all departments in the radio station and the way i'm ever able to do that is be i'm able to talk to them on their level when i go and have a conversation with the engineer i'm i'm able to have a conversation on a very analytical level with a whole bunch of acronyms right that nobody understands because that's the way engineers communicate they don't want to have a long "How was your weekend conversation they just want to get the job done That's kind of the way they are. When I talk to a salesperson, they're goal oriented. Let's talk to them in that sort of way. When I talk to the on-air person, they're very creative and very relationship based. And so I need to have conversations with them on that level. So you need to understand when you're talking with people within the organization that they all have different personality styles and they all communicate in a different way. Start where they are. Be a great listener, and and your relationships within the building will be much better. You know, Brene Brown.
0: I'm a big fan of of her, and she she wrote in in one of her many books. I don't even remember the title there, because they all blur together at this point. But uh, our days are blurring together, and so are all the books I'm reading. <laughs> but she talks about vulnerability, and she says you can't be creative without being vulnerable because that means creativity is all about putting yourself out there. And so as you're saying, you know, you can't expect people to be creative and put themselves out there if they can't be vulnerable. And they can't be vulnerable without trust. Trust is the foundation. Absolutely. So if you if you don't trust your boss or manager, and I've been in this position where, and it's very frustrating as a creative person uh, because that's what I love. That's what I love about radio. That's why I fell in love. It was, it's just pure creativity, output, instant output all the time. And if you have a manager you run into who you don't trust, who goes behind your back or does things to undermine you and you've, you have conversations with them, but it still just doesn't change. Well, then it, you can't really put yourself out there because the, the one or time you do, you're going to, you're going to get clapped back on, like you said, and that's happened to me and it's tough to recover from that. Cause that then undermines your, your ability to trust yourself and be creative just in general, because you think, Oh wow, was, do I, am I really not that good? And you start to, you get that imposter syndrome
1: going and it's tough to overcome that. It takes a lot of courage to be uh, to be creative, because there will always be critics out there hammering you for it. Brené has an amazing TED talk, one of the most yeah. viewed TED talks. It's all about vulnerability and shame, mm-hmm. uh, and and she's phenomenal in helping you uh, position that in your mind and be comfortable with that and understand that that the opinions of others. Uh, don't shape who you are um yeah. it's it's your opinion of yourself that shapes who you are and you shouldn't be shameful uh, and being vulnerable is okay you but you have to have thick skin to be creative because there are people that will come at you and and hammer you for what you are you know and you know on my podcast i talk a lot about being on the radio for 30 years and how i've coached a lot of talent and uh that's where you know i i'm not teaching theory. I'm teaching results because I've done it. I've been there and done that. Uh, But if you go read my reviews on iTunes, you know, one of the reviews is, you know, all this guy does is talk about how he's been on the radio for 30 years. And I go, well, yeah, because I have (laughs) and you haven't. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't mention it all the time, but I mention it when I need to make a point that I know what I'm talking about. I've been there and I've done that. I've interviewed a ton of people on the air, big, big names. I've coached morning shows and and radio talent to great success. Uh, my radio stations have won awards, you know, Mm -hmm. because I love to coach people. I love coaching hockey. I love coaching radio people. I love coaching podcasters. I love being able to take somebody, figure out what makes their personality click, figure out ways to bring that out of them in a great way to make them uh, succeed and help them reach their goals. That's, That's what drives me. I love being I'm I'm a goal setter and not only do I love reaching my goals, I love helping others reach their goals. And that's what a great leader does. A great leader helps people reach their goals, not just simply the goals of the organization or the goals of the business or the leaders goals. But when people come to work for me on the radio station, my number one uh, starting point is to figure out what their goals are and how I can help them achieve those goals. And in return, help the business achieve their goals as well. Yeah, I learned about negative
0: criticism when we were doing the TV show Omaha Live. And the first episode, I think it was 90 seconds in. And keep in mind, the opening for the show, the animated intro is 45 seconds. So really, it's only 45 seconds of actual content. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm the host of this show so the first 45 seconds is me and 45 seconds in a thread was started in a local comedy scene group on facebook just obliterating me as not not even as a creative or a, a comedian or anything like that just as a human being i mean people saying i should gouge my eyes out and all these just <laughs> horrible things and it really hurt that first season and i'll be honest with you it was tough to deal with that i had a lot of anxiety every week when that episode would air I'd have this anxiety building up just knowing okay all right you know they're gonna just tear you apart they're gonna tear you apart it's gonna happen yep. and then I learned a lot from my brother who who would always say don't engage with anybody on on social media just thank them for watching be nice and wish them well and right. so we took that approach that you know take the high road approach and it worked it took a long it took a while for these comedians to finally realize, We weren't the enemy. We weren't the bad guy. And it was, I learned in the long run that a lot of that had nothing to do with me. It usually doesn't. It's usually the other person, they are jealous or angry, or they're dealing with their own stuff in their own life. And that's, they're just projecting that on you. And it has nothing to do with you, what you actually, you know, put out into the world.
1: You know? Well, what I tell my athletes is nothing speaks louder than the scoreboard, right? You can talk all the trash you want but unless your number on the scoreboard is bigger yeah. than their number, nothing else yeah, matters. Yeah. And it's the same way with your show. Like, you know, all these comments, when you get your own television show, then you can come tell me how to do my television. Exactly. Show. Okay? Which is what I wanted if to Lor- say. But uh, it, if Lauren yeah. Michaels was on trying to tell you how to make your show better, you might listen. But, <laughs> but, but yeah. when it's a guy doing comedy in his basement to his cat, like come back to me when you have your show yeah. and then you can tell me about. And it. And the funny part is, is that we eventually met with and worked with
0: pretty much all of these comedians and when you meet in person it was they were nothing like their comments on social media they were instantly apologizing and and it was and and things worked out for the best because we ended up building a lot of great relationships and friendships with with these same people who I, I guess ha- they were projecting uh, on us when the show started but but it, it was a lesson in life so then when when we t- when we took over for Pat and JT on Sweet 98.5 here locally in Omaha On the radio, you know, they're a 16 year heritage show and we took over and I knew the negative comments were going to happen. And I knew in advance, (laughs) I knew in advance it had nothing to do with me. It was these were fans who were mad that their show was taken away from them and they weren't given a a good explanation on the air as to why, which I understood. I was compassionate toward that. I said, you know, I get it. I would feel the same way. I would be pissed off, too. You know, so I knew that walking into it that it had nothing to do with me. And so I was able to kind of tune it out. You know, which is I think it doesn't really matter if you work in a creative field or not. You're going to deal with jerks and negativity and learning that lesson that it is they're dealing with something and they're projecting it on you. It has nothing to do
1: really usually with what you did. You know, absolutely. It's it's uh, just people want what you have and ignore the comments. You know, nothing good comes of reading comments and criticism of your art. Oh yeah. Because the the great comments are only going to make you feel so good. One negative comment will ruin all of it. So don't even read it. I I mean unless it's somebody that can actually help you improve and get better and and do what you do better than you're already doing it. There's no sense in listening to any of that.
0: We've talked about that. Finding a an accountability partner is what I, I call them, you know, somebody that you trust that can give you honest feedback that isn't going to just say, oh, it was great, honey. You know, usually it's somebody who's not your spouse or, you know, your family, but somebody that you trust, you know, like you are somebody who I know I can turn to and say, hey, would you listen to this and tell me, you know, how can I make this better? You know, so. well. And
1: the difference there, Matt, the difference there is those people care about your success. They want to see you succeed. Yeah. And so those are the people you want to listen to. Because they're giving you feedback to help you succeed. They care about your success. The comments on social media and the comments everywhere else, those people don't care about your success. They want to see your downfall. Yeah, They, they have no interest in helping you get better. They're not giving you constructive feedback. They're telling you your hair looks funny. Or they're telling you, you know, you're too short, you're or, too you're too you're or you're yeah, too this, or you're too that. They yeah. have they have no desire to give you constructive criticism on how to make your comedy better. I bet all of those comedians that were talking about how you should gouge your eyes out and how your show's not funny, they weren't giving you any constructive criticism to make your show better. They were just telling you how bad you were. Mm-hmm. They don't have a vested interest in your success. And I it was funny when we first when we, when we were in that.
0: I think we're about six months into that that morning show, and my co-host Nikki. I got her a keychain that says "Never read the comments" because it was. <laughs> That's I don't, perfect. I, I don't want to speak for her, but I, I just I know that it got to her big time because I don't think she had dealt with. Well, I know she hadn't dealt with anything on that level on that scale of people being so mean, just just mean and negative. And it 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 you know it was her first time going through it, just like it was my first time going through it with the TV show. It's a tough lesson to learn in life, but it's an extremely important lesson, especially if you're doing anything creative. I mean, that could be doing a wood. You're a woodworker and you're creating art or, you know, it could be
1: stand up comedy or music or any passion that you have Um, now. So uh, when when Todd and Tyler took over on K. E. Z. O. here in Omaha, they took over for um, Otis 12 and Diver Dan. And Otis and Diver didn't want to do a morning show together any longer. Like the, it was their choice to not be on the morning any longer. And so the radio station had to hire a new morning show and they hired Todd and Tyler. And people lambasted them because everybody loved Otis and Diver. They loved the show. They wanted more of that. And that's why they listened to the radio station. And now here are these two new guys come in to take over the show. And they would just, they would call them and just hammer them. moves of the days before social media. And so Tom Tyler took the, uh, uh, took the stance of never go to bed angry. And so every caller had to end the call with love you. And then Tom Tyler would say, love you too. And, you know, or vice versa. And so that's how, but for the first 18 months, they just would get hammered by people. And it was hard for them. I mean, it just, it took a long time to find those people that really loved the show and loved what they're all about. And they've been on top now for, Twenty-five years. I mean, it's been crazy. Now, now so. if you took them
0: off the air, it, this, the, their, their replacement would get the same treatment because there's get that the much love thing. for 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 Todd and Tyler. Now, a lot of people are going through tough times right now with COVID, losing their jobs, people getting furloughed, or they're just stuck at home working with their kids all day, which it can be <laughs> punishment enough. But, you know, as an employee and a manager, you and I have both lived through tough times and cutbacks, tough decisions. What advice do you have for people going through these tough times right now? Um, as a manager, what would you say to them?
1: Well, um, the 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 role of the business is to be profitable. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes tough decisions have to be made in order to keep that bottom line where, where it needs to be. And, uh, it's different if you're a publicly traded company it's different if you're a, um, a privately held company, it's different if you're just a mom and pop shop. Uh, but sometimes, you know, even if you're in a business with six employees and all of a sudden the business is in the red, and the the owners got uh, you know family to feed, sometimes tough decisions. You know you have to fire your friends, and that that becomes very difficult. So uh, understand that the the people that own the business they're not out to hurt anybody. They're just they're out to make. They're taking a huge risk trying to run a business, and the, the, regardless of the size, um, but they, their goal is to make the business profitable. Uh, on the other hand, as an employee, don't leave your future in the hands of somebody else. You know, if you're if you are getting nervous um, or you think your job is a little bit shaky, there are plenty of jobs out there. You you just need to find one that fits what you do. If you're great at what you do, then you shouldn't have any problem finding a gig or making one of your own, create a side hustle or something. Yeah, I've never been worried about being fired because I know I'm really good at what I do and I'll be able to find another job. I'm confident in myself. I'm willing to work hard and I'm willing. And now whether that's in radio or podcasting or real estate or architecture or you know, working at Shields, uh, I, I can go find a job because I work hard and I get results. So don't leave your future, your destiny in the hands of somebody else. Take control. If you think you need a better job, go get one, go find network with people who can help you find something that excites you, that gets you excited to get out of bed every day and go find that job. I just
0: went through that exact same situation. I wasn't, I wasn't laid off or, or, or anything, but it was the end of my contract uh, with the station that I do the morning show for now, 1019 in, in Omaha. And I love radio, but at the same time, I really, you know, financially for me, it made more sense to kind of go out on my own with the, the different work that I've been doing freelance for different, you know, clients and companies and all kinds of video and audio production and stuff and doing podcasts like this, uh, is, is, in, is where I get my pure enjoyment, you know? And so, so we kind of just negotiated a, a, the the terms where it was okay. It worked out for them because they only got to pay me for a few hours, you know, every morning now, and it works for me because I've got the rest of the day to work on what I'm doing. And so I I knew yeah, get creative, that's, right? And that's there what isn't, I, yeah. there isn't
1: you don't you don't have to take one size fits all. Create a deal that makes sense for you, and that made
0: exactly, and that made sense for me. It was risky, and like after we we kind of signed the dotted line and said okay, because it wasn't it's not a contract or anything, but it was just here's your your new agreement, here's what we're gonna do, and I said okay, and walked away, and I was equally. Uh, equally terrified and excited because <laughs> it was like I have now I have the ultimate freedom. Now it's all on me. But at the same time, it's all on me. So I've got to hustle. Right. And I've got to make it happen. And and so, you know, and I've been fortunate and blessed to have clients that have been with me for over 10 years. And so 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 that's good. And I feel fortunate for that. But at the same time, I always tell people the same thing. You know, you don't like if, if Let's take the, the the industry that you and I work in in radio. If you're doing a show, uh, any kind of show, don't start your podcast after you've been laid off. Start your podcast a year or two. Like when your contract starts, you know, build it into your contract that you can do this on the side and start doing it while you're doing your show. That way, if anything happens, you always you've already built up a following with your podcast and you've already built that up to where now you can fall back on that.
1: Yeah, regardless of what industry you're in, create that side hustle that you can you can do that isn't a conflict with your current job. You're not taking clients and customers away from your current employer. Uh, but you have a side hustle that's really creating something. You know when I got my architecture degree. Uh, I got out of college and went straight into radio. My first full-time radio gig paid me twelve thousand dollars a year. Uh, and so I had two other side that's, hustles. That's
0: less than my first
1: <laughs> my first job in radio paid me seventeen thousand a year. I thought that was bad. yeah, <laughs> yeah, twelve grand a year. So I had two other gigs, uh, just trying to make ends meet and pay the rent, you know, and my dad kept sending me, job opportunities in architecture. Like, hey, here's a new opening. And I'm like, dad, but I love radio. Radio is what I want to do. Yeah, it's paying me 12 grand a year and I have to have two other jobs to make ends meet, but it's what I want to do. And I worked that for a while until I got my first opportunity to be a manager, to be a leader, to, to run a radio station. And that it wasn't until that point in time that I stopped getting the job openings from my dad because I had to prove myself, but it wasn't an overnight success. I had to get in and and push it. Um, But the difference between a leader and a manager, um, I was running a radio station and it was being purchased by... Uh, a larger company. It was back in the days of consolidation where all the mom and pop radio stations were getting eaten up by by these big conglomerates. And uh, so the I was running the radio station. We had a full staff and we were going through a sale. But the sale with a lot of radio stations, you're not really sure when the sale is going to get approved by the FCC. Could be next week, could be nine months from now. You never know. You just kind of run status quo until it gets until it happens so I was actually hired to run the radio station to get it through the sale like get it back on track keep it on the rails get it through the sale great once we were sold we were going to then be syndicated basically and the entire air staff was going to be let go uh, because we were going to use the company's syndication so we kept trying to go through the sale and all of the staff kept coming to me saying what's going to happen what are we doing what what's going to happen after the sale and I had nothing to tell them um, and because I didn't know when the sale was going to happen. And finally, like after enough of them had come to me and I already lost a few people because they were getting nervous. They didn't know what was going to happen. So they quit, go get other jobs. I finally sat everybody down and I said, look, here's the deal. Radio station's going to get sold. You all know that. When it does, we're going to be syndicated and none of us are going to have jobs any longer. Like that's just the long and short of it. The problem is I don't know if that's going to happen next week or that's going to happen next year because we don't know. But the the fact of the matter is I need all of you to continue to be on this radio station and to continue to do what we do every day because we need talent on the radio station. But when the time comes that you're no longer needed, I will do everything I can to help you find a new gig I will do everything I can to help you find a new job doing what you love. All I need you to do is stick with me and ride it out. And all but one of them stuck with me through the end. Now, on the other side of the coin, my manager calls me in and goes, Did you tell everybody what was going on? I said, Absolutely, I did. And I got railed for it. You can't tell them that like we we la 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 and gave me all the reasons why, according to the company, we can't disclose all of that information. And I said, yeah, but here's the deal. Without all of those people, we don't have a radio station like I need people on the air. And so it's not fair to them to leave them in the dark because they will all leave. And if we want to continue to have a radio station, we need all of those people. And the only way to keep them is to be honest with them. And so that's what I did. And I was able to keep all of them through until the end when we flipped the switch and I let them all go. But I helped them all find new gigs. Matter of fact, most of them are all still in radio in this area. Uh, But it was only because I was a leader and not a manager. And that's and you have to find somebody like that that will be honest with you and help you get where you want to go.
0: That happened to me when I was, I was I found out the day that I found out I was being laid off from 1290 Coil, which is a news talk station locally, and I was doing a news talk a 3-hour news talk show there every day and found out I was being laid off purely for financial reasons, didn't have anything to do with me at all. It was just, you know, one of those deals. Like you said, the company had to look at their bottom line and I was what well, was expendable at that time. So, my manager, Dave Tepper, who which is one of the reasons why he's you and him are up there, he he was honest with me and he told me he said, "Listen, you, uh, this, this, they're, they're pulling the plug or letting you go. Uh, today's going to be your last show. And he said, you can't talk about it all three hours, but if you want to spend the last hour of your show, you know, saying goodbye or doing what you want, however you want, just handle it professionally. And I trust you. And I respected that. I really did because I, I hate when shows are just taken away from people and there's no explanation and people just want to just, they treat listeners like idiots almost, you know? And it's like, you know what? We're not going to tell you anything, uh, and and you'll listen no matter what, and it's like that that hurts that trust relationship so much. So I went on the air. I did two hours of the normal show, and the last hour, I started talking about it, and our general manager at the time came down and was looking in, and you could just tell by his face he was freaking out, and then he went over, and I'm pretty sure he yelled at my manager, and then he came back. When the show was done, he came back. He said, that last hour was one of the best hours of radio I think I've ever heard. Like That was just... Uh, uh, thank you for you know because I was respectful I was cordial I was understanding and we Neil and I got to talk about our radio stories and it was just it was a really fun last hour and I got to promote it on Facebook and got people to tune in and 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 it was a good goodbye it was a way to kind of leave on top um, which leads me the last thing I want to run through really quick here are qualities that make a good leader and the first one on this list is honesty and integrity which you just hit on um, number two is having confidence Inspiring others, commitment and passion, being a good communicator, decision-making capabilities, accountability, delegation and empowerment, which delegation is tough for me to hand things off, um, creativity and innovation, empathy, resilience, emotional intelligence, humility, transparency, and vision and purpose. Any of those stand out to you as kind of the most important or anything you want to add?
1: I don't know that any of them are the most important. Uh, what you need to understand is that nobody's going to be perfect at all of those. Like managers and leaders are human as well, and they're going to make mistakes. You know, it's it, it's lonely at the top because rarely, if you're the leader, you don't have anybody else to talk to. There's no peer. Like if you're a middle manager, you have other middle managers to have that conversation with, uh, but a lot of times, first-time leaders. Uh, don't have all of those uh, abilities and talents refined. I think honesty is um, honesty is, the, is one of the most important, but it's also one of the hardest, especially when you have employees that can't take honesty constructively. Like if I come in and I say, uh, Matt, the bit that you did, I like it, funny, but not something that we can have on the radio station. Like it, you have to under, you can't get hurt by that. You can't get, you can't take it personally Yeah. that, you know, I have a guy, uh, uh, who was on the radio station here a, a little while back and I wanted him to be, I wanted him to push the envelope. I wanted him to be creative. I wanted him to try things. I wanted him to be funny. Um, but sometimes he would cross the line and my manager would get angry with him and hammer him and, and we can't have that. We can't do that. And I, and I try to explain to the manager that we can't yell at him when he crosses the line because we're asking him to push the envelope. We're asking him to get close to the line. And sometimes he's going to cross the line. Sometimes he's going to make people angry. And sometimes we're going to have to apologize for that. Um, that's That's just part of the admission to the game. Like you, you need to understand that, but both sides have to realize that uh, honesty is there to help everybody. Like I can't be, I can't be brutally honest with you if it's all negative. Like there has to be the balance where I have to inspire you and I have to help you, uh, improve and get better and learn. I've had managers where the only time they're in my doorway is when I did something wrong like I would never hear from them any other time and I hate working for those sorts of people and I don't and I go find something else to do you know and it's uh, it, it's unfortunate that a lot of people lead in that sort of way where it's just I'm leading by by you know a two by four to the back of the head. That's not something anybody needs and that you're not going to improve and get better when somebody tries to manage you that way. So honesty is, it's a very difficult trait to refine. You know, it's difficult to tell somebody to their face that their baby's ugly. Like it, you need to be able to, um, to frame it in a way where it's, it's helpful to the individual, but in a way that the individual can actually take it. Um, and inspiring, getting them to getting them to do their best to bring the best out of them, find things. Not everybody is a home run hitter. Some people just hit singles. So you need to figure out how to get them to hit more singles and use that in your arsenal. Not everybody can be a morning guy. I can't I can't take somebody and make you funny. Like you either you're either funny or you're not funny. But just because you're not funny doesn't mean you're not great on the radio. I can still take you and put you in a role where you will most likely succeed. Maybe you're a great producer. Maybe you tee it up so the morning guy can be really funny. Maybe you're the great straight guy. Maybe you're a great news director. Maybe you're a great afternoon talent. Maybe, you just, maybe you're just the companion that's there with me while I'm working. But I have to figure out what you do really well and help you do more of that and put you in a position to succeed. I find that in really big companies, we we put somebody in charge of a radio station the radio station fails so we fire them and it's like well we put them in charge of that radio station because we thought they were really good and the radio station w- failed because it was it was in a competitive situation where it wasn't set up to win so why would we fire that individual like let's let's take your your situation for example matt we put you on the mornings at kcar coil whatever it was at the time and uh, because we love what you do, right? We, we're, you're funny. You're the morning guy. We, we have the opportunity. So we put you in the mornings there, and the show fails, right? The show doesn't succeed. Well, we love what you do. We love your show. Why would we fire you? Why not? Why wouldn't we take you and find another position to allow you to succeed? You weren't the you weren't the downfall of Coil. The COIL, Coil's got it's on an AM signal. It's up against the Heritage AM across the street. It's up against the Heritage morning show across the street. The the uh the the signal is weak signal. Most people can't get it in a building. The the fact that it failed wasn't you. We love you and your show. Why would we fire you? Why would we get rid of you? Why wouldn't we take you and put you in a position that would allow you to use your skills to succeed? Instead, we just go, well, show didn't work. Fire the guy.
0: Well, And I think that's, that's not a
1: leader. And I think that's what happened to me in real
0: life uh, to a degree with Sweet 98.5. When I was on Sweet 98.5, hosting in the Morning Show, I felt it in my bones. It just wasn't a, a, the right fit. It just wasn't the right fit for me. I felt I told people the analogy was I felt like uh, Bob Saget playing Danny Tanner on Full House. You know, it was just I was playing this role and it it, for a number of reasons that were out of my control, too. Uh, So it wasn't like it was just me and I wasn't the show did fine. It's not like we failed, but it just it made sense to, okay, you know what? Having Matt, Matt works pretty good on his own and Matt can carry a show on his own. So we're going to move him over to this other station to 1019 and then launch the first, you know, all female morning show on Sweet 985. So I understood it and I got it. And as an employee, I didn't take it as an insult or a slight or a failure because I knew why things were being maneuvered in position where they were and and, and I I also knew it was it turned out to be a much better fit for me just personally. Um, one thing I wanted to add to what you were saying there about coaching for any managers who are listening or or anybody in a leadership role, you could be leading a team of one, you know, uh, you could be leading your volleyball team. It doesn't matter. A great way I've found to offer criticism constructively is through questions. They're asking questions. So I start with something positive. Like, let's say I'm doing a bit for the morning show. You know, listen, I, I really liked the bit. Here's what I liked about the bit. What do you think? what do you think about the bit? Do you think that bit was the best fit for this format? You know, do you feel that uh, that best bit was the, the the punchline or the final out? Do you really, how do you feel about that? Was that appropriate? Or do you feel like, you know, and then you can kind of, they'll, they'll almost most of the time they will admit, yeah, I know. And they'll, they'll agree. They knew kind of, yeah, I was pushing the line and I wasn't sure if it was quite over, but I knew it was close. and, you know, so so you can really. And then that way, they f- it feels like you're in it together. It really feels like, OK, we're, this is a team effort? And they're not coming in here to tell me that, that I failed because they told me they like certain things
1: about what I did. It's just here's how we can make it better together. You know. Yeah. When you use that questioning uh, as a management tool, make sure it doesn't feel manipulative and that you're. You're asking yes, no leading questions. You know, we both know that that bit didn't hit the mark where it wanted to hit. What could we have done to make it a little stronger? Yeah. How could we have repositioned the punchline to, to better fit the target? You know, it, start on the premise that, yeah, we, we both agree that that wasn't our best work. Yeah. So how could we have made it better? Exactly. And if you ask questions like that, instead of saying, now, did you think that really uh, hit the target market? Well, that's a leading question. And now you're just patronizing me. So you have to make sure that line of questioning um, is really coming from the heart and is really uh, intended to help the individual be better and start with, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, like have have some respect for them. Like, you know, that bit you know, cross the line. Like it's it's obvious. What could we have done that would have still made it funny, but not offended the guy across the street when you called his mom ugly? Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, good great points. Great points.
0: Uh now if you want to listen to more coaching from Eric, uh if you want to hire Eric as a podcast talent coach, podcast is his website. You can listen to the podcast talent coach podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple. Anywhere you're listening right now, you can also find uh, Eric's podcast, and I highly recommend it. I also recommend signing up for his email list at his website because it it doesn't necessarily apply to just podcasters. There are a lot of episodes that are just for podcasters, but there's a lot of things that are uh, applicable to anything in life, and the emails that you send each week, I appreciate and enjoy because... They're often applicable to everything, you know, like it's like want, like some of yours, like swing for the fence, like you got to swing for the fence and can't be afraid to fail. I mean, there are things they apply to podcasting and what we do, but they also apply to so much more. So I highly recommend Eric's podcast, Podcast Talent Coach. You can find it anywhere. Eric, thank you so much for joining me, man. It was a great conversation today. Matt, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's catch up again. All right, and that's it for this week's episode of It's The Fix. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts.